This is inconstant. Okay, hello everyone. This is uh, Fahed, new episode of Inconstant. This is going to probably be the um, season finale for season two. Um, quite busy with my other podcast, uh, See Through Panel, and a few other creative projects, and I want to take the podcast in another direction. But we've got a great uh, guest today. My guest today is Dave Chawner. Dave is a number one best-selling author, award-winning comic presenter and mental health campaigner. He's been on BBC, ITV and Channel 4. Um, he's presented a series of BBC's Tomorrow's World and has written uh, for The Guardian, The Telegraph, The Metro, The Cosmopolitan, GQ and more. He uses humour in order to take uh, mental health, to make mental health more accessible and open a dialogue with hard-to-reach groups. And I'll hand out um, Dave's uh, social media stuff at the end. How are you? How are you doing, Dave? Good morning, mate. Yeah, not too bad. Feeling like I'm ticking along, you know, as best as we all can at the moment. But yeah, it's sort of. I think sometimes it feels like wading through treacle, you know. <laughs> yes, I do. Um, I do know what you mean by that. It's. I think things are slowly starting to open back up again. Um, yeah. So. I think a little bit of that mental fog, I think, is kind of lifting a bit. Anyway, so um, I'm going to be asking you a series of weird questions. If there's any question or any topic that you're not comfortable talking about, would you like to please give me a um, safety word and we'll move on to a different uh, topic? Well, firstly, I think that's a great question. I'm going to go for one of my favourite words, which would be uh, magnanimous, because I just think it's a fun word to say. Okay, so I'm just writing that down. Okay, so um, if you're ready to go, we'll we'll start off with the um, questions. So um, uh, I'll start off with with this uh, uh, classic, which I've, I think I've asked uh, on every version of this, on every ep- uh, episode of this version of the podcast so far. I was once asked to leave a poker game because the smell of my farts was so foul that the other players found it distracting. Can you? Can you tell me about a time that you've been asked to leave somewhere? Uh, yeah, I, I got asked to leave a poker game once because I said to one of the guys playing, like, his, sm- his farts were too smelly. So, I <laughs> You know what? I, d- I don't know if I've ever been uh, asked to uh, leave anywhere. I know, like, one of my mates always used to, it was really funny, when we ever used to go to uh, this terrible club at university, he was the one that always got kicked out. Yeah, he was the nicest, meekest, shyest person in the world, the last person that you would ever expect to get kicked out of anywhere. I know I once, one of my mates is in the uh, sort of Marines, and there were, like, these sort of, I didn't realise, but there were these, like, swanky kind of services, uh, pubs and clubs and stuff. You go there, and they're all kind of, like, it's basically like something out of a 19th century novel. And I remember I once went there, and uh, I got told off because apparently there was a, a colonel major or someone that walked in, and he looked like a penguin with all his regalia on <laughs> Everyone stood up and was like saluting and stuff. And I thought it was part of a drinking game. So I didn't stand up and I was like, oh, I'll drink two fingers. And uh, that was very much not the vibe. So I suppose that's the nearest I've ever come. Okay. Uh, Most of my guests that I've asked that question to um, have pretty much given me some little, I've never been kicked out of like anywhere. Just like 
you're just goody two shoes and all uh, <laughs> too drunk to remember really i don't know um yeah. <laughs> what to say about that um okay let's move on to the the next question another classic um i used to play a game called slipper walls with my brothers we would gra- gather up all the shoes and slippers in the house and throw them at each other what was the most dangerous uh slash stupid thing you did to amuse yourself as a child uh, not as fun as that we used to do and i don't know if this is a a, a sort of uh, a geographic thing but we used to do this thing that now i think about it was terrible that nobody used to enjoy we played two games one of them was pylon which was literally all that was was you go up to someone in the playground and go like oh what's what's that over there the thing that carries electricity and then someone would say oh i've got the pylon and then everyone would just jump on them <laughs> And it would be like seven or eight foot of just this pile of bodies of kids just jumping on. And you just hear like muffled like, like that. So there was that. And we also used to play this terrible game as well. It was called Boot, right? So basically, yeah. it, would, it would be a football and goals. Um, if, you, uh, if you were in goal then you had to try and get out of goal by like throwing the ball. And if it hit you before it bounced, then you were out of goal. And if you let in more than three goals, then you just got kicked up the backside. And oh, it, oh. it was terrible. And if you if you missed a shot, then you had to go and goal. But the thing that was even worse about it, right? This gets worse. So if you missed three goals, you got kicked up the backside softly. Six, uh, six goals was that medium. Nine was like hard. And then if it went over 10, they used to do this thing that they used to call the tunnel, which was everyone playing used to line up into a tunnel and you had to run down it while they just kicked the living crap out of you brutal oh, brutal i do um i do well i did do brazilian jiu-jitsu before wow. the lockdown and they had this um what they used to do at my club when we when we got graded was something called the polish tunnel and basically you have to take your, your gi jacket off bare chest bare back and um club mates would line up um on either side of the of the mat and they'd whip you with your, with their belts as you walk down as like a, a congratulation so yeah that's um <laughs> it's just gentle hazing yeah i've always been i've always been terrible at this this is why i never did anything like that i've always been more of a like i played netball at school rather than anything like that i was always more of a kind yeah. of like oh he's off doing his performing arts thing again but i've heard of all yeah. this initiation ceremonies for rugby and stuff and i'm always like no because i know i would be the one that would get injured in some way yeah but well, I mean, we've stopped doing that now because it's just it's just dumb uh, we, we kind of stopped doing it once we had we, we had to make the decision to kind of promote um one of our female members and it's just kind of like i really don't feel comfortable whipping a woman on the back <laughs> with a belt it's just like it's just like yeah just yeah yeah exactly i just yeah um especially because it probably would have been in front of her like, two kids as well as just like yeah we can't really do this anymore it's not um it's uh it's not on so yeah um yeah, oh, they're just um, crying yeah, was... why mommy why you're like this is what we do <laughs> this is feminism yeah. 2020 kids uh brilliant right. um the thing is i think she, no, she's a tough old girl. She would have, she would have been up for it. It's just as blokes, we were just like, ah, we can't, we can't do that. It's not, it's not on. Um, but yeah, the, the first game you described. Um, where, where did you, where did you grow up? So I grew up in uh, Staffordshire in the Midlands. So yeah, okay. So the first game you described is 
very familiar to me. We called it bundle. We just like bundled someone down to the ground and just like jump jump onto them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, am I going to guess that you were in Southeast or Kent? Yeah, London, 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 born and bred. So yeah, yeah. That is a very, (laughs) so one of my mates grew up in uh, Crayford and they were called Bundle there as well. I think in Sheffield, it was called, um, oh God, I can't remember what it was called, but they have different names for it all around the country. It's so bizarre. Yeah. It's so, yeah, I mean, I think that'd be sort of like an interesting sort of like documentary on YouTube is just to go up and down the country and find out all the different names of these like childhood games that we used to play and kind of like, why is there this regional, um, regional variants? Yeah. So, uh, that's, uh, that's good. Um, let's move on to the next question. Okay. This is a good one. Um, my friend Anna once told, uh, once did a sit down intervention with me. She told me that I had uh, no chance with a girl that I had a crush on and that I should kill my feelings for her and move on. This is because the entire situation is making our group of mutual friends very uncomfortable. Can you tell me about a time where a friend of yours um, uh, told you to sort your shit out? <laughs> I I think that's been my perpetual sort of adult life, really, is people sort of telling me <laughs> to sort my shit out and get a real job. Yeah. I never forget when I quit. So I quit to do comedy uh, full time. Uh, it was about seven, maybe eight years ago now. And I will never forget at that time, when I was like 23. And I'll never forget my mom turned around to me and she went, Dave, look, think of it like this. You haven't got a mortgage. You haven't got a girlfriend. You haven't got kids. You haven't got. And I was like, mom, I'm just going to stop you there because th- this, I think this is meant to build me up. This is just <laughs> knocking me down fantastically um so yeah i think like i've always i think that would be the nearest is my my mom was just like trying to build me up but was just like no made me feel a thousand times worse yeah i think it's uh yeah mums can have a bit of a habit of um doing doing that sometimes unfortunately I think like that's why I'd be a terrible parent. I think I'd eat my own young. So I'm sort of taking myself out. <laughs> uh, that, that would be um, a terrible kind of like headline comedian eats own children. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also like one of those things you can imagine a Channel Four show being the man that ate his child, you know, and it would yeah, be on in between it. grand designs and the news, and it would just be it'd be like an hour long documentary of people going, "Well, he, he never used to nibble toddlers," and and just really yeah. series of uh, talking headshots. Yeah, then like you know, like two three weeks later, Channel Five would have their version <laughs> with pretty much the same footage <laughs> with uh, the same talking heads. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Uh, let's try this. Okay. Uh, this is a, a, a newish question. As a tween, uh, one of my friends that uh, told me that vaginas tasted like tuna. What is the dumbest thing that you believed about the opposite sex? Oh, I, I mean, when I was uh, a, a teenager, I, you know, I never used to really sort of speak to go I could never really flirt with girls ever uh I think the amount of stupid things that I thought about the opposite sex were numerous like you know sort of that if you stood still then their sight was based on movement I was like oh no that was a, a <laughs> threat. so 
I, I, I was always a very uncomfortable kid. Like, you know, sort of like, hey, do you come here often? You're like, what, school? Yeah, I tend to do it five days a week. So it, it wasn't really one of those things that I was p- particularly uh, good at. The, the weird thing is, though, and this is probably like quite a serious answer, is like, it's I've actually found this in my adult life, is like periods and menstruation and stuff like that. I never used to speak to, to, to girls about that. They always kind of got uncomfortable. It was never like talked about in school. But as I get older, it's just like so many different things that like, you know, my, my girlfriend now is like, yeah, well, I, I started my period when I was like, you know, sort of 11. And I was like, what? That's mental. I thought it was like, yeah, 18, 19. She's like, no, Dave, we, we, we finished puberty by then. It's just men that are late coming so i think that's probably like quite an embarrassing one that i thought you know that yeah you know women started menstruating actually when they were sort of learning to drive but actually no it was like when they were starting secondary school yeah i think i think it is like one of the failings in our kind of like one of the many failings in our education system is that men aren't really taught that much about the female reproductive cycle i mean i remember in my maths class they'd like every so often they'd like um heard all the girls at the classroom to do some like sex education stuff it's just like well we kind of need to know about that stuff as well and, you know yeah. most of us also hated maths so but yeah it's just kind of like yeah, <laughs> i love that that's what you got out of sex education but <laughs> if you're a woman then you got to bunk off maths that was great that's brilliant <laughs> well yeah yeah i think oh yeah pretty much actually <laughs> that's kind of a that's kind of the um kind of the the main thing really but yeah it's um it was also as well as as a a bearded bloke you know they just taught you how to put condoms on bananas and i remember thinking even as like you know 13 14 year old i was like well they have massively overestimated the size of my ding dong because it is not (laughs) it is not that big for a kickoff you know what i mean and it definitely doesn't have a sticker on it that says tesco's 495 so yeah i always thought that was very odd and kind of just setting people up for failure but when you're 13 14 you're not going to turn around and go hey lads that's like at least double the size of my you know you're not going to say that you're going to oh yeah. that's uh, my mind's too big that i've actually got back probably you know, all of that toxic masculinity yeah stuff is ridiculous. yeah i've uh yeah it's um it's fair my mate he's a he's a doctor and he actually when he was a medical student he used to go around schools giving kind of like you know the kind of like uh sex safety talk to, mm. to school children and we'd always used to take the piss out of him because like in his briefcase he'd have a dildo and <laughs> 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 just kind of like oh here comes here comes the the old sex perv yeah. uh, he's going around to, you know <laughs> molest the children and all that sort of thing but yeah it's um That's so funny. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah kind of like no seriously in in his bag he had like um a dildo um some lube <laughs> load load of condoms it's just like oh man see if that oh, was Robbie, my mate what i'd do is i would just i would just go anywhere where it said random bag searches are in operation and just kind of go, yeah, let's, go to, let's go to the british museum why should we do that i don't know they've got a really nice cafe there let's meet you on tuesday afternoon just to see just to have a go i mean that would be brilliant oh yeah it uh i used to <laughs> brings up brings up i used to do um uh postroom work at Barclays Bank and like the stories that those guys used to tell about because because it was a bank everything needed to be needed to be scanned mm. um coming into the building in case it was a, a bomb or whatever and one of the guys was telling me kind of once like uh a dildo got the <laughs> delivered <laughs> to, to the building 
So he, he scanned it through, and then because he's like the most junior member of the team, he had to actually deliver it to the the the, the ladies um to the ladies desk as well. And like he said, oh, I, I didn't know where to look. Well, I know one of my mates when she moved house, they've got like a um a, a box, shall we say, of marital aids. Like they were sort of you know yeah. moving house, and they've got this little box that I think you know sort of some people in relationships might have. And and uh, she didn't realise her dad surprised her to come down to help her move. And you can imagine which was the only box that got dropped and spilled oh. all over. And she oh. was she was like, I was mortal. He looked, I looked. We didn't know what to say. And then what's worse is she just kind of had to scrape this up off the pavement as people watched by going oh something's going on there such an <laughs> awkward situation oh that's that that's 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 terrible that's really really terrible <laughs> really 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 terrible um uh, that I, leads on yeah go on yeah go on no, I was I was gonna ask the next question, but um, you was you was gonna say something. Oh no, I was just gonna say like I remember like I I had a sort of similar thing when I went to university that like uh sort of my mom and dad, uh, <laughs> my mom and dad uh, tidied my bedroom. They they kind of uh, redecorated it. I mean, it was when I think about it now, it's terrible. I was in the first year of university and I'd literally not gone three months. So like, right, we're repainting this. We're making this a guest room. I was like, oh, so they were busy off doing that and then my dad found an MS lingerie catalogue that obviously been well thumbed uh under <laughs> my mattress and he he like he sort of said oh yeah we found the lingerie catalogue under your mattress and I was like oh god and he was like to be honest I was just surprised because I thought you were gay so I mean it was a oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's that, that's nice dad that's, that's, that's very nice. The only person that I think uh, had to come out as straight to my mom and dad because they were both convinced that I was gay and I had to say, look, look dad, like, honestly, I'm, I, I'm honestly straight. And they're like, well, maybe I haven't met the right guy yet. You know, maybe this this whole straight <laughs> phase you'll go through. I'm like, no, seriously, I am. I am straight. I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to be getting there. Like, yeah, there's nothing to be ashamed about and all of this stuff. And it was like, no, no, but I am straight. And, and people were surprised. They were so shocked. Oh, it's just, uh, that's, that's, that's 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 brilliant <laughs> you just got having to convince people that you're, you're heterosexual <laughs> um, um let's ask a couple of more questions and we can kind of start chatting about what um what projects that you're that you're working on um let's ask yeah let's ask this one i once uh, accidentally drank some of my mate's piss what is the grossest thing that you've ever had in your mouth? Whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't, no, you can't just <laughs> stop that. Like, why? Why? I want to, this is more about you than it is about me. Why did you drink some of your mate's piss? Okay, it's, it, oh, okay, so basically what it was, we were in, we were in school and we were playing football outside. It was a hot day and everyone had their kind of like um, cans of drink and um, bottles of drink lined up against the wall where we were playing um, football in school. And uh, one of my mates was like desperate to go to the toilet and he didn't run, come run all the way back into the school building. So he just pissed into like an open can <laughs> and um, it was my mate's drink. And he kind of like, he, he was completely unaware of it, uh, unaware of what had happened, picked it up, took a sip and like spat. I was just, Oh, this, this has gone off in the sun. Like this, uh, this kind of drink. I can't remember what it was. I want to say it was like 
um, Ribena or Vimto or something like that. And I was like, oh, mate, if you don't want it, I'm, I'm gagging. I'm gagging for a drink. <laughs> so I, I, I took a sip and he's like really kind of like warm and like salty. And I just thought, oh, oh, oh. I'm quite thirsty though. So I took another sip of it and then I spat it. I was like, oh, mate, that's wrong. <laughs> something, something, something's gone wrong there. <laughs> Um, I know. On the downside, go on. Yeah, yeah, I know. And then I see my mate laughing in the corner, and he's like, "Oh, oh sorry, dude, I, I, I pissed, I pissed in that can." He's like, oh, "Flipping heck!" <laughs> and then he's like, can you tell me if I've got diabetes or not? Because uh, I'm really worried <laughs> yeah, about that. <laughs> really, um... I think the nearest yeah. to that that so I've ever got is. Like, yeah, I, I, I mean, I can't compare to that in any way. I think the nearest that I've got is like uh, last year when I was doing Edinburgh. In between shows, it's really, really tight. And I was doing uh, five shows a day. And I was actually doing uh, two shows back to back in one of the sort of bigger venues. And at weekends and stuff, it gets you've only got 15 minutes in between shows. So I was, um, I just kind of went to the little backstage area, whatnot. And uh, one of the people like bought me a coffee and I had a coffee, lovely stuff, drinking that. And then I always like to go and like welcome people at the door that are coming to the show so i welcome people to the door and whatnot and there were still people coming out it was all hectic anyway put my coffee down on the side welcome people and literally just as i heard the music go down and i knew that it was going to be ladies and gents free work for the stage day i was getting ready getting psyched up took a swig of my coffee and then something bobbed against my nose as someone had left the venue they'd taken their chewing gum out and just plopped it in the coffee <laughs> And oh. I was like, oh, no, it was, it was horrendous. It was just so horrible. <laughs> oh, oh, that's, that's, that is, oh, that's awful, man. Because <laughs> the thing is, it's not, it's not as bad as piss, but there's just this weird kind of like, oh, yeah, you've, uh, it's just, it's insidious. I don't know why that's, you know, oh, it's just horrible. <laughs> just the idea of something touching your nose. While you're mm. drinking something and you're not expecting it, it's yeah. just, ugh, that's uh, creep us. It's said, um, something shivers. Down yeah. Ugh. 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 Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Did you find out whose chewing gum it was, or was that kind of a mystery that was. It could never... literally have been, that. that's what's kind of worse. It could have been, it literally could have been anybody's. So, Bro. I mean. That, I mean and like what what also kind of like worries me as well because like obviously i just like kind of spat it and instantly chucked it in the bin but i was like if one person you know you think because i thought about this far too much if, if you see one person like putting their chewing gum in a cup you think oh that's a bin so so what what else had people chucked in, in there as well you know maybe it could have been other people maybe there could have been a fag butt in there or just and you're just like oh god this could you know i i just had to stop thinking about it so like, i've repressed that oh, deeply down that is Oh man, yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Um, uh, let's let's move on to how was um kind of not doing Edinburgh this year because I know kind of I'm a mate with a sort of like few actors and um, things like that, and I know a lot of the time when Edinburgh was running, they'd be complaining about the costs of like running a show up there, hotel rooms hiring out venues and stuff like that and most of them will be complaining that they lost money rather than made money so i was just you know what was the experience of like not doing um edinburgh this year 
Well, I, I saw a really funny tweet that went round and it said uh, the day that the Fringe had been officially cancelled. And I think a lot of people knew that the writing was on the wall and it was coming. And I saw that the Edinburgh Fringe had said, we're really sorry to announce that we've cancelled this year's Fringe. And someone had quoted that tweet and went, this is the first year that comics will be making money, uh, which I thought was a really <laughs> funny take on it. For me, because I do so many shows, so I'll generally do uh, like three to sort of five shows uh, a day. This year was like a bit more, so I did sort of five a day, which means that I am very lucky and very fortunate that it, it actually uh, does make me sort of quite a bit of money. But it's also, it's not necessarily about that, like creatively, without being too much of an arse about it. It's kind yeah. of like, I think in stand-up year is very similar to the school year because your your Edinburgh is essentially your kind of end of year exams of when you pass or fail and you know it's where so many exciting things happen and it's kind of a bit odd to not have it but I don't know about you I thought it would hit me a lot harder because I love Edinburgh I've been up uh this would be the sort of uh ninth year that I've gone up and this would be the uh seventh solo show that I've done but because everything has been so odd, I, in my mind, I'm still mentally thinking that it's about March, April time because literally nothing else has happened. Oh, that's, that's an interesting take on it, actually. Kind of, if your year kind of resolves, revolves around one yeah. big event, then if that doesn't happen, then kind of you are kind of st stuck in stasis a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting. And in terms of like the, the, um, the shows you do write a new kind of a half an hour every year or is it kind of depending on when you feel inspired in terms of um kind of the shows that you take up there well i'm very lucky because uh my sort of agent always gives me like quite a nice room which is wonderful i think you know not everyone's that lucky and it, i have been just sheer luck so every year i do a new uh hour-long show uh some good some bad i mean last year's was shit but I was kind of because of that working a lot harder this year. So uh, it, it's kind of been interesting, but look, you know, it means that hopefully next year will be even bigger and better, but I just love having a new hour to bring up each year to sort of try things and see what works and hone and improve as well as doing. So I host the best of the fest shows as well, which is just a great way of seeing all of the sort of emerging talent as well as your sort of circuit headliners and TV names trying out new material. So I think it's generally the thing that I've missed most about Edinburgh not being uh, there this year has just been that excitement that buzz and that kind of community of comics but hopefully it's not going away forever yeah i mean i always find it quite interesting talking to, to people that are taking comedy shows up to edinburgh because like i know some comedians it takes them quite a long time to to generate um material kind of like one of my favorite comedians is um bill burr and he says like Gosh. the way that he looks at creating um a new hour is like it's a new five minutes every month. If yeah. you can't create five minutes of material every month to create, kind of like create a new show, then, you know, that's kind of like on you. It's, yeah. But it's, it's, yeah, it's the quality of the material is what we can generate sort of like a new hour. And if it's, if it's no good, then it's no, then it's no good. But yeah. 
It also shows you how people write as well. I mean, there was like loads of jokes going around that the uh, the Perrier, which uh, is no longer called the Perrier Award now, it's like the Edinburgh Comedy Award. That's like the big dog that's launched people like Stephen Fry, Lee Evans, Lee Mack, Michael McIntyre. You know, they've all kind of got nominated or sort of won it at some point. Um, and that was sponsored by LastMinute.com, and everyone was like, "That is the <laughs> best brand." Because most comics are going up on the train, like still scribbling stuff on the back of their hanger. Oh, could I do that? Yeah. Does that work? And so, I mean, it, it's worked out like you know, art imitates life. That yeah, it's now sponsored by LastMinute.com, which I think is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let me ask you one last question, then we'll we'll start chatting about um, the stuff that you're uh working on at the moment um i once heard three irish actors uh complain that far too often non-irish actors were um, hired to play irish characters one of their bones of contention was that the irish accents used in these roles were laughable and uh perpetuated negative stereotypes unfortunately i could not take their argument seriously as one of them sounded like a leprechaun on helium <laughs> can you tell me about a time that you heard an otherwise sound point undermined by the person making it well i think i think this is the thing that really gets me is that like my uh, you know so i grew up near the near the black country and it's got yeah. like a really really weird accent and you you just can't you could be the most intelligent person in the world you could be stephen hawking you could be Popper, you could be Hempel, you could be the best scientist in the world. But I think with a brummy accent, people are going to say, "Ah, oh, that's really lovely. Do you want to go and work the grill?" So I think that any <laughs> any brummy accent always instantly uh, puts you down, and it's odd as well because there are certain parts of the country that I think it's like impossible to do comedy to. For example, uh, Newcastle's and uh, Liverpool, because Scousers and Geordies are just two of the most innately funniest people in the world that it is more like you know me going to the zoo rather than them coming and watching me I just think that they're so brilliantly funny so yeah I, I, I'm just fascinated by accents because my girlfriend is uh northern Irish and um so she's got this kind of really thick kind of and we went to uh she was picking up a prescription at the pharmacy a couple of uh weeks ago and the woman sort of said to her behind the counter like oh what's your date of birth and my girlfriend went all right 31st of me idiot and the woman was like sorry and she went 31st of me idiot and the woman seemed like genuinely like taken aback and she was like I'm sorry madam will you repeat that and then he went idiot and she went are you calling me an idiot and just, <laughs> oh, it was the best thing I've ever seen. I just, I couldn't hold it back. It was so funny because the woman was so annoyed. <laughs> That's, <laughs> yeah. Um, this question actually um, had a su supplementary uh, question, um, which was, would you like to do an Irish accent? But you, you've kind of, um, <laughs> you you've, kind of already, you've already, you've already, um, you've already um kind of uh Fulfilled done that. that um yeah <laughs> so um kind of you know edinburgh is being cancelled this year what have been what projects have you been kind of like working on to kind of like fill uh fill your time and kind of yeah all those I sort mean, of like boring things that people ask each other I <laughs> about their time in <laughs> 
<laughs> well, the odd thing is that I think that like actually this COVID thing has been like it's essentially been a gap year for adults. It's been amazing. You know, you can do so many things. And so I've been working on uh, this year's show, which is going to be called Underdog. It's all uh, about dogs, determination and defeat and actually about how uh, it's a look at uh, one of the things that I get really sort of annoyed about is we do talk about failure, especially in the UK. But the problem is like failures are normally people that have lost million pounds or they kind of like, you know, got sacked from their CEO positions. They're never just, you know, someone that like had a subway card and it got dropped down a drain. So it's a kind of look at day to day uh, failure. And then I've started doing my next year's show. But the one that I'm really excited about and it's taking a hell of a lot of work is uh, all of the stuff that I generally do is use comedy in order to talk about mental health. And when I say mental health, I mean mental health rather than mental illness, because I have my own experience of mental illness. But I kind of think that, you know, one in four of us has mental illness, but four in four of us has mental health. And actually mental health is engaging, exciting and fun. So I've created a six week uh, stand up course to teach people how to do comedy. And that's aimed at people that have mental health difficulties to in order to kind of engage people with comedy and to show people that mental health can be and should be fun. Yes, that sounds um that sounds really, uh, really fascinating. How did you go about kind of developing the content for the course? Because I'm kind of I'm really interested in people who teach things and kind of how they kind of like what their the method of designing the course materials is and you know how they how they plan on delivering um, uh, de- delivering the material. So was that quite a a big challenge for you in terms of fig- figuring out kind of you know how to structure it and what materials yeah. would be suitable? I think it's been a huge challenge because one of the things I've, I, you know, originally when I came up with this idea, I thought I'd be able to do it in person. But actually, with things that have changed at the moment, I think it's all going to have to be done via remotely. And one of the things that really gets me a bugbears is when people are presenting using, like, say, a PowerPoint presentation, and you have just one slide that's up there for like 20 minutes and you're kind of like nodding off at the back. So I wanted it to be like dynamic rather than dull, which means that I've kind of accidentally turned into Dave Gorman of like finding about how to animate different things i make slides spin and stuff like that but the way that i kind of have approached that is to yeah make it quite visual and sort of snappy and each week has a specific theme so the first week will be the introduction the second week will be about stage presence the third week will be about your persona and so on and so on so once you've got those kind of themes that helps structurally kind of pin down and i think one of the things that i'm really keen about with this particular comedy course is using games to engage people so instead of 60 minutes of me just lecturing at people actually playing little games which is really really good fun because one of my mates actually teaches a uh, clowning course and she uh, i went on it for free and it was all different types of games and actually i think that most people learn by doing rather than being told yes i think you know i I'm, like i mentioned before i i, I did teach at a, a jiu-jitsu club hopefully we'll be starting classes up again sooner rather than later but you know one of the things i teach to people that I'm teaching how to teach is kind of um you need you need to understand kind of what what you're showing what does that mean to the the person that you're showing it to it's not about kind of like what you know what you want to get what you want them to get out of the session is kind of like what they want to get yeah out of the session and kind of like you know you know you've got 
I think I'm not too sure if this is actually theoretically still taught um, to teachers, but kind of you've got uh, visual learners, uh, people that learn by hearing, then like you mentioned, people that learn kind of like by doing as well. And it's kind of, you know, mixing and matching that balance um, is kind of quite challenging if you've got like a yeah. mix, mi- mixture of uh, of people in there. And I think that's one of the things actually on the comedy course, because I'm actually not doing the comedy course for people to become famous stand-ups or do live at the Apollo. This is actually people that have always wanted to try uh, stand-up as a hobby. So I'm teaching it as a hobby. Um, but also within that, I kind of wanted to help personal and professional development. And you're absolutely right that I've sort of, there's one of the weeks where you look at, are you a kinesthetic learner? Are you an auditory learner? Are you a visual learner? And because um, I, I, I do think that like, I didn't learn that at school. I only sort of someone, one of my mates came up with this little uh, Myers-Briggs test when I was at university and I did it. And I was like, oh my God, if I'd have known all this, when I was like studying for my stats, my life would have been so much easier. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's weird the things that they, just, you know, you know, that's not on the curriculum. Mm. I think it's, it's just, yeah. Um, so kind of, you mentioned that the, the course is kind of, aimed at um helping people with their uh mental health um in terms of um you know your 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 own experiences is this uh is this course something that you wish had been around when you were um kind of going through for your issues or is this something that um you think is kind of like open to um to anyone whether they're kind of having a good good patch or a bad patch or somewhere in between oh yeah man i think it's i think you can have your cake and eat it in that sort of sense because like for me when i was kind of going through all of this therapy and blah 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 comedy was really really good because it it gave me confidence it gave me communication skills and it literally gave me a platform to stand up for myself and i think that anyone else that you know sort of wants those skills uh, i think comedy gives that them in spades but also one of the things that really gets me is if if you googled like physical health you'd see pictures of like apples people doing star jumps in the parks you know sort of things that are really positive and healthy if you google mental health there was like black and white pictures of people like clutching their heads or crying or like sleeping in a stairwell and no wonder people and blokes don't want to talk about their own mental health because it's always like oh this is this is a sob story this is going to be something it's always like the bad story on the news whereas actually the best thing is mental health like good mental health once you've got that if you're like having a you know sort of good mental health that means that you can be the best person that you want you can be silly you can find things funny you can engage with people as part of a group and i think that's really really important so yeah i wish it is something that had have been around when I was there, but I don't see it as no problem that it isn't because I think now you can just engage different groups of people and show that the good mental health is brilliant. That is a really interesting decision in terms of the choice that you've made. Um, in terms of that, the perspective that you 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 have on it, because I've gone through kind of um, bad patches of. Um, uh, mental health and there is you know you're right kind of it is you know when you whenever you're broaching the subject with people it is kind of um it is seen as kind of like well yoni's talking about it because it's kind of like a negative thing that's that's kind of happened but yeah you know kind of maybe um flipping the conversation around in terms of like you know 
if you, you know if you're kind of approaching it from the point of view of maybe someone who's like going to the gym to get healthier about their um their the physical health you know why can't you take the same approach to kind of mental health as well exactly like you know the amount of i think we've changed with like gym culture is a great analogy because like you know sort of i think when i was a kid like people that used to go to the gym were people that you know oh i want to be mr muscle 3000 but now we kind of realize that actually like holistic health yeah you just go to the gym to just you know sort of maybe get a bit toner maybe you know lose a bit of weight maybe just get healthier and it's exactly the same with your mental health it's easier to maintain something rather than to have to completely build it from scratch again Again. And it's easier to talk about your mental health once you're healthy and coping rather than when things have gone a little bit wonky in the upstairs department. That's uh, that's really great stuff, man. And um, when will you start uh, running running the course and where where can people find out more? more information well, that's really kind of the best way to find out would be uh, on my twitter which is at dave chawner so that's c-h-a-w-n-e-r or my website dave chawner.co.uk okay that's that's really good is there kind of um any other projects that you're um working on outside the uh the comedy mental health course and your comedy uh specials i, I, you know, I, I was reading your bio you've kind of um you do a lot of writing. Is there kind of a, a book in the works or any um, film scripts that you're kind of working on? It's really funny. So I, I wrote a book. So all of my kind of mental health struggles that I had to anorexia when I was a teenager and I wrote a book yeah. about it, uh, which I wanted to be a bit jokey. I, I wanted to call it The Real Hunger Games because I thought that was a great title for a book about anorexia, but apparently that infringes copyright. So we had to call it Weight Expectations. And I don't want to be ungrateful but honestly mate i'm the worst writer in the world i get distracted by anything and everything and i just i i honestly could never write another book because i just get distracted by a squirrel or my knuckles or a cup of coffee that hasn't got chewing gum in it so i, I kind of <laughs> don't, there's never going to be another book but i am working on um a the show about mental health uh not mental illness and i'll be taking that hopefully when things open up again so i'll be definitely going back to the edinburgh fringe but it's also going to uh brighton leicester different art centers and maybe even australia but we will see oh exciting um hopefully it won't be um burnt down or underwater yeah. or yeah covered covered in a virus by the time by the time you make you make it yeah yeah um well california is no better actually kind of like (laughs) all the big kind of like spots that you you know comedy spots that you think of kind of like the melbourne um, comedy fest or uh you know new york's probably going to be hit by another tidal wave and you know california's (laughs) probably gonna fall off into the sea at some point as well um no uh knowing the year that we're kind of having um dave it's been a real uh, pleasure having you on is there anything um that you wanted to talk about that i haven't asked you about and or, you know another way of putting that is there any questions that i haven't asked that i should have no that's that's absolutely perfect it's been great fun and really enjoyable so thank you so much mate uh, it's been a, a real pleasure um i will uh like uh guys um i'll include the links to um uh dave's social media and his course when the episode comes out i think i'll probably early next week this will be coming out dave so 
um i'll, I'll share it on my um uh, social media and stuff like that okay guys Brilliant. thank you very much thanks dave thank you mate i'm gonna i'm gonna stop recording now <laughs>